This is episode 94 of Parenting with the Focused Mindset. A couple weeks ago, I was a guest speaker at the Solution Focused Schools Unlimited Conference. And it was the second time I've been able to do that out of the three-year run of that conference founded by Dr. Linda Medcalf. And this year I spoke on how to help children with fear and worry, how to help them move through it to get to the other side using the solution-focused approach. So I decided to do a replay for you guys. Some of you, you might not even know that I do training and I do speak at conferences on these type of subjects. It's one of my most favorite things to do. So I wanted to give you guys a little glimpse in. You can just sit back, relax, listen in, and then let me know what rings true to you. What might help you get through the challenges that you faced? You can also see the PowerPoint with your own eyes if you want to hop over to my YouTube channel. That's Share the Focused Mindset. C-H-E-R, The Focused Mindset. But for now, I hope that you are able to be in a comfortable place, and take this in so you can not only hear the stories, but be able to walk through your challenges just a little smoother than you would have. So let's get into it. Welcome to Parenting with the Focused Mindset. I'm your host, Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a family mindset coach. I know that raising kids is quite the journey and doesn't always turn out as we planned. Here, we talk about the solution-focused approach. We learn how to celebrate when things are going well and how to deal with the many challenges that families face. Don't forget to hit subscribe, download, follow so you don't miss any of the family-oriented, solution-focused content that I put out for you right here each and every week. Listening to this podcast will help you be the best version of yourself in your home and with the people you love. Hello, I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and family coach. And I'm the host of Parenting with the Focused Mindset Podcast. And I'm going to talk to you today about helping kids calm fears and face their challenges. So many children are facing fears that come from worry, that come from uh, sadness, that comes from grief. And we're going to take a few minutes to talk about how we can use a solution-focused approach to be able to help children have a healthy mindset so they can move through their challenge and get to the other side. Well, before we do, let's talk about the top 10 fears. The top 10 fears, as in the most recent studies, are change, loneliness, uncertainty, failure, rejection, getting hurt, being judged, inadequacy, something bad happening, and the loss of freedom. When you think about each of these fears, you know what didn't hit the list? Fear of spiders, fear of public speaking, uh, I don't know, fear of... (laughs) heights. Okay. Those things are fears, but the deep fears are all rooted in these 10 things. I can say that in some ways, 
the fear of speaking in front of people is kind of the fear of being judged. And you can make an, a uh, kind of an argument that they're all intertwined. But the truth is, is that fear is usually attached to some type of emotional change, some type of emotional stress, some type of pain. And then there's grief. Grief is the loss of anything that truly matters, according to Dr. Bruce Perry. And that is from the, um, the book, the most recent book that he's published with Oprah Winfrey, What Happened to You? A great read. It helps people understand grief. I highly recommend it. But I want us to examine how many people in our life are dealing with fears in today's world. You're dealing with fears. Your children are dealing with fears. And how are we going to help them with that? Because we know that fear needs to be processed within us. Fear needs to be dealt with. And many times we just want to push it away because it's just too hard. It hurts too much. Well, let's think about this quote that pain that is not transformed gets transmitted. Pain that's not transformed gets transmitted. And in solution-focused work, that's what we do is help transform people. We cause a transformation within a person to be able to look at something in an entirely different way. It's not that they just have a goal and they went for that goal, but they feel transformed because they can look at it in a way that is clear, in a way that is true to them. When you think of what is a transformation, what is being transformed is to make a thorough and dramatic change. When I heard this statement, I immediately thought with my background of faith, I thought of the verse, do not be transformed to this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And immediately that just hit me because that is what I want to do as a school counselor, as a, as a coach, that's what I want to do for myself, for my family. I want us to be able to be transformed by the renewing of our mind each and every day when we wake up, each and every moment that we learn, we want to renew our mind. That's even that much more important when we're going through change, when we're going through painful change, especially. Solution-focused strategies help people transform their thoughts so they can better deal with the pain today and with the unknowns of tomorrow. I mean, I honestly believe that how we process pain directly affects how we deal with painful situations in our life because our mind has memory. When you think of confirmation bias and all the things we know about how the brain only picks out the things that are important to remember, well, when they're in the middle of a harmful situation, it might be a lot, but the brain is taking things in and saying, how am I going to process this? And it might be one, two, three years later when they finally decide to. How we deal with pain, if, do we deal with it in a transformative way or we deal with it in a way that is harmful? I want you to just for a minute, notice the difference between these two ways of processing pain. In this case, we're going to talk about death. Picture somebody having their father die when they're young and years later, they have this process, this thought process going on. My father died. I feel sad all the time. It's not fair that he isn't here. Life isn't fair. Life isn't worth living. I just am going to cover up my pain with 
It's painful to even listen to that. But we know so many people that that is exactly what happened when that painful, harmful situation happened in their life. Now notice the difference. Same person, when they transformed their pain, when they dealt with it and they're, they're, they're processing it. What about this scenario? My father died. I feel very sad. It's okay to feel sad because it tells me how much I love him. And I'll always remember how we listen to music together and I can listen to his favorite song and smile. Somebody who's able to walk through that process, what difference does that make? Consider what difference that makes. It's been said that that's the difference between post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic wisdom. There's a big difference between the two. Honestly, if you're a person that works with kids day in and day out, you might be the one, the first person they come to when they confide in that they're going through pain. And how you talk to them and how you help them could make all the difference in the world with whether they process it with a transformative nature or whether they oppress it and whether it gets transmitted later. What do I mean by it getting transmitted later? Well, we all know people who are transmitting pain. It might come out through depression. It might come out through the way that they treat others, anger. It might come out in bursts of, of um, anger towards strangers or towards their family members, their kids. It gets transmitted, meaning it go, it's, ha, they haven't dealt with it, so they push it out or they transmit it within in a harmful way. Transformed means they're renewed. Big difference. So today I'm going to talk to you guys about how this could work. How should this work when we're dealing with really hard and painful situations? Well, first of all, when you're sitting in front, front of someone that's gone through a lot of pain, you need to believe in their ability to get to the other side. 100% believe in it. You have to sit there in front of them, even if they don't believe in it, believe in it for themselves. And you say, I know that they have it within them. They have that walk through to the other side. And what am I going to do? I'm going to gently lead them forward on the path to get there. As a solution-focused brief therapist uh, practitioner, as a counselor, as a school counselor, anyone that works with the solution-focused approach um, in this type of way needs to look at that person and believe it 100%. Because part of our job is to believe in them and then to gently lead them towards a path to get there. And Eric Wagner from the UK teaches us about the three C's in the solution-focused practice. And this fits so well here that I'm going to put it right here. Connection, clarity, and commitment. I'm going to look at it in a little bit different way than he does because we're looking at it in the light of dealing with pain and dealing with hard times. You see, the first step that we need to do is just completely 100% validate where they're at this has been tough for you. Wow, this has been a real loss. Statements like that are so important for people to hear. I know that sometimes you might feel a complete loss of words if you hear something very heavy that someone's going through. You can always validate that this is how they feel and it's real. This is a real challenge. 
use their words, words echoed back to them. Now that is a really great way of helping them. But um, if you're a counselor, you also want to kind of fine tune the words that you say back because their words could be very dark and that is where they're at. But you can change just a little bit and it will help that transformative nature of what they think about and what they believe about this trauma as they walk forward. They might say to you, this is the worst. I can't go on. And you might say, this feels like the absolute worst. It feels like you can't even go on. The second one is clarity. When you think about clarity, you should think of making things very clear, like you're lighting a path towards healing and hope. I like to look at it like it's a a big fog that the person I'm sitting in front of is in a fog. They're in a daze. They don't know what to do. And I'm just going to light a flashlight, just light a way, a light a path towards healing and hope. I can ask questions like, what's one thing that's got you this far? With you sitting right here in front of me and talking about this, wow, what has been helping you? How have you done this? If someone's going through fear, you might say, let's take a minute to breathe and feel what we feel like when we're not in so much fear. Let's take a break from that for a minute. What does your body feel like? And if you're dealing with someone that's dealing with the loss of something huge in their life, what's a memory that you think about often that you remember? Maybe they're ready to share that with you. There's these different ways that you can help people with their clarity, with a light that they can get through to the other side. They, they need to, the, it will, the words will come to you. In the moment, if you're just thinking, I want to light a path, then the moment will, if you sit in that moment and think of it like that, rather than, oh, I feel so sorry for the pain they're going through, then words are going to come to you that will help them feel that warmth of a light that's coming through the darkness. And the third step is commitment. All right, creating a helpful narrative that helps them move forward. This has been so helpful for the people that I've worked with. And you can imagine that because of the last year, um, two years really, there's a lot of students that just feel stuck in how they're thinking. They're in a loop of negativity. And giving them a narrative really will help them move forward. Giving them some words they can say to themselves and words they can say to others that helps them be able to express what's going on within them and helps them be able to feel like they have a brighter future. I mean, one good way, and I'm going to talk about these later, is just to be able to write down, just help them make a list. Make a list of all of the things that are making your heart um, happier, helping it, that's helping you get through these challenging times. And I also have, uh, sometimes I just tell the kids, I have a really helpful sentence. This works really well with kids. It actually works well with teens and adults too, because sometimes we just don't know what to say to ourselves, like I just said. And I'll say something like, here's like a helpful sentence. I feel blank when blank and my best hope is. Now, this is a sentence that lots of counselors use in conflict resolution to be able to help people say things in a calm way so they're not yelling and they're not blaming. But guess what? The sentence works great in these situations too. People can stop and fill in those blanks and then they can repeat back the sentence. I feel sad when I think about the fact that we had to move. 
And my best hope is that I'm going to be able to make some good friends like I had before, for example. So let's go on. I have some kids that I want to tell you about. Because the solution-focused approach helped these kids deal with their pain. First, Jordan. He's a fourth grader, and he was trapped by some big, big fear. You see, he honestly believed that something awful was going to happen, especially that he would, uh, to his parents and, or to himself. He felt like they were going to be separated some way. He felt like they were going to die. Either something bad or they were going to die. And this was looping through his head. Why? His mom said one day he woke up from a nightmare. And in that nightmare, his parents died. And he was so panicked and he was so upset. And even though his mom comforted him and tried to help him and told him, it's going to be all right and we're right here. All he could think about was something bad's going to happen. And it got so bad that the only place that he would really go to is school. Besides that, he didn't want to go to the grocery store or to the park. He didn't want to go any place because he was so concerned that something bad might happen. And that's when he came to me in that state. And I called him to talk to him. And I sat in front of him. And I'll tell you, he was just... Ooh, he was so uptight. His hands were, uh, even just at the thought, I said, yeah, I'm here to talk to you a little bit. I hear that you've been having some fear and worry. I didn't have to go any further. His hands were ringing. He was rocking. He said, oh, I know something bad's going to happen. I just know it. I just know it. And I can just feel it in his voice. And my heart went out to him. And as I watched him toil and, and stress, I realized, I just, I realized in that moment that he needed to feel what it felt like once again to feel comfortable, calm, peaceful. And anytime the fear popped up, it was impossible for him to do so. So I told him, I said, let's consider for a minute, what does it feel like when you're not having fear? Think about the last time that you weren't fe fearful. And he thought about that time when he was in his room playing with his toys. And I said, all right, let's think about how, how your body felt during that time. What were you thinking about? What were you looking at? What were you doing? What are the other thoughts that you were thinking at that time? And I saw his body start to relax and calm down. And his breathing slowed. His heart rate slowed. His hands unfolded. And I said, do you notice the difference? I notice a big difference. Look at right now. Look, your hands are calm. And I noticed all of that. And so I told him to put his hand on his heart and feel himself breathing. And I asked him, how does your body feel in this fearless place of peace? And we started talking about it. And he came up with three things. He said he felt safe, he felt loved, and he felt cared for. Well, you see, in that moment when we were talking, his parents were nowhere to be seen. It could have been a very anxious moment, but he was able to self-regulate himself. He was able to take himself into a completely different moment. So we got out a piece of paper and we put a heart on the paper. And I put you are in the corner and we wrote down safe, loved, cared for. And then I had him repeat that. You are safe. You are loved. You are cared for. You're taken care of. And it gave him, 
it gave him a mantra. It gave him words. It gave him actually something to tell his brain when his brain wanted to tell him you're not safe. You're, something bad is going to happen. He needed something different to say. And this was what he chose. He chose it because he told me that's the way he feels when he's in a fearless place of peace. Well, his mom came to me the very next day and she was so excited. She goes, whatever you told him, we, we went to the grocery store. He got out of the car. I saw him take just a moment to himself. He put his hand on his heart and off we went. And we went to, we were in the store the whole time. He didn't fuss or worry at one time. And he just told his mom later that night, I'm going to interrupt my fear. Now, that's exactly what I had told him when we were sitting in that room. I said, I think your fear needs to be interrupted. And he remembered that phrase. I'm going to interrupt my fear. Since I've used that in so many situations, because you know you can interrupt fear. It's kind of like if someone was uh, talking about your child and all of a sudden they're talking bad about them, you would say, oh, hold on just a minute right there. I'm going to interrupt you right there. That's what you need to do to this fearful talk that gets up in our brain, telling us things that aren't true and likely aren't going to happen. You need to do that to yourself. I know I need to interrupt my fear when I get uh, fearful of rejection or worry or all the things that pop in your mind. No, I'm going to interrupt you right there. And I'm going to think about a time when I didn't feel fearful. I'm going to attach myself to that helpful emotion. And that's what we did with Jordan right then and there. So helpful. Now, I talk about this back in episode 60. So if you would like to go back and listen to that on my podcast, Parenting with the Focused Mindset, feel free to do that. And uh, I kind of go into this whole story in a lot more detail and how it really helped. And um, it's just, it's all about breaking away from fear in this matter and this harmful situation because it will be harmful if they keep thinking in this type of way. But Jordan broke away from it. And I can tell you that even a year later, he's successful. I have another child that I've been working with. And this one's a really fresh one. I actually had a completely different person I was going to tell you about because I wanted to talk about grief and loss because that's a biggie. As far as dealing with tough situations, I'm finding that a lot. To be honest, I have, oh gosh, I want to say maybe 25 emails in my email right now that want to join my uh, mini grief group to get through the pain and suffering from someone close to them passing away. And we're going to start that in the next couple of months. And um, it's going to be helpful, very helpful. These small groups end up bringing so much healing to the kids. But Cassandra, third grade, she came to me in this last week. And she actually was uh, referred to me by another teacher because she had drawn a picture of a a Halloween uh, um, story that had a knife in it. And it wasn't allowed. You weren't supposed to use weapons. But this was a whole big old elaborate story about a father dying um, by getting killed and this whole thing. And the irony is her father died a couple of years back, but he died of cancer, not of this. He died of a, a... uh, complications. And, but this whole story, the only thing that, that was similar to the irony was that it was about a father dying. But when she heard that she had to rewrite the story, oh, she just got angry. And this is a girl that I guess is normally very quiet, 
very stoic, doesn't talk very often. And she got mad and she threw her pencil and she's all, this is the story that I want to write. And when the teacher dug a little deeper, she said, you know what? The little girl in this story lost a dad just like me. And that's why I want to write this story. And the teacher said, oh, wow, have you... You, you must really miss your dad. Have you talked to your mom about it? She goes, no, no, I can't talk to my mom about it. She would hurt too much. It would make her sad. I can't talk about my feelings at all about this. Well, right away, that teacher knew that it would be good to see me as the school counselor. She asked me to see her that very day, and that's exactly what I did. And when I called her over to talk to her, Cassandra was... Uh, was saying, just talking about her story and said, I know that's not the way my dad died. She said, my dad died after being in the hospital. And my dad had a whole bunch of problems in the hospital. And I said, wow, well, can you tell me more about that? Knowing that it had been a couple years since he died, I said, can you tell me something you remember about that? And she said, that's just it. I don't remember anything. I hardly have any memories. I don't even know what to answer because I don't know. And she was just started to feel really sad. And I said, have you, now, if you were to talk to your mom, what do you think you would say? And she goes, I don't think I can do that. And I said, well, let's see. What would you say? Let's try it out. I have a very powerful sentence to help you out. And let's just fill in the blanks and see if it works. I feel, and she thought about it, and she said, I feel sad. When? When I think about my dad. And I wish, I wish I could get my memories. She said, I remember that when I wake up at night, sometimes I've had a dream of the time he would wake me up and take me to get hot chocolate early in the morning. And, and I, I remember that one dream, but then I wake up and I want to go back to that wash that what I wish is that I could go back to where we used to have hot chocolate together. And I said, well, because and she says, because then I would be able to have that memory and maybe I'd even have more memories. And I said, that would be amazing, Cassandra. I wonder if you could share this sentence with your mom. And she said, I can, I think. And she got out a piece of paper. She started writing this sentence down so she could remember it. And as she was writing, she goes, you know, I remember sometimes we used to go get food too. And then a couple seconds later, she said, you know, sometimes he would give me a horsey ride. I remember he would put me on his back and he would ride me around like, like he was a horse. And I said, oh, those are three memories you just shared. And she said, I guess I do have more memories. And I said, your mom is probably knows exactly where that place is because they hadn't moved. I said, I bet you guys could go back to that hot chocolate place. And I am so glad that you shared your very precious memories with me today. And as we went on with our talk that day, I knew that her heart was healing, that she was processing what she was going through. And I felt so thankful that I could be the one to help her process that in a healthy way. For two years, she hadn't known. And all of a sudden, her body's starting to thinking about it. Her body's wanting to talk about it, which we do, right? It's time for her to be able to think about how to heal from this and how can she when she feels like she can't talk to her mom about it maybe the culture in their home is that they don't talk very much about it and just by a conversation I bet you that can change 
And I'd like to give you an update about it. But like I said, this is a very fresh example. So I'll have to maybe in a future podcast episode have a update or something like that. You know, it just shows that we can and should give people words to use when they're stuck. The other sentence goes in line with a, another real situation that I've had. These are some, uh, some scripts, if you will, to help people communicate even to their own self. They need to be able to say different things to themselves about their pain, about their suffering, about their struggle. It's okay to feel anger right now because it tells me how much this situation means to me. The one thing I remember is that I'm going to be okay. And it's not the other people's fault that this happened. So I am going to practice breathing and calming down today to help me. There's an example. You can fill in the blanks in almost anything because everyone's different in how they're dealing with very tough and hard situations. Really, we just need to believe that if someone comes into our life, whether you're a professional counselor, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a parent, whether you're a friend, and they need to talk about pain, you can be the one to be there for them. And even so, I mean, I'm kind of feeling inclined to say that we kind of need to be there for ourselves as well. We need to believe in ourselves when we're going through hard times. We're not immune. You know, we can always think of these other people that are in pain, but our own pain matters too. And we need to tell ourselves, it's okay that I feel sad right now, worry, a little bit of worry, a little bit of pain, a little bit of struggle, a little bit of, of anxiousness, because it tells me something. Even, even feelings like, I don't know, jealousy, they tell us something. It's okay to feel jealousy right now, because it tells me that I that that person might have something, you know, like I need to move in that direction. You know, jealousy is something that I never, ever want to feel for anyone. I'm actually not a super duper competitive person. But when I do perk up and go, oh, wow, they have that. I kind of notice that feeling because it rather than saying, oh, they have that. I like to think, wait a minute, maybe that's because I need to also move in that direction. Maybe I need to switch my mindset and collaborate with those people rather than let that jealousy fester for no apparent reason. Anyway, that's a different story, right? Get back to the subject. <laughs> it, whatever we are going through, we can validate it. We can understand why we can remember something that will be helpful and move forward in that. All right. So I have some resources and you probably, if you're watching on uh, my YouTube website, wherever you're watching this presentation, you see that I have a little QR code in the corner and that QR code is actually really special because it gives you access to uh, the same type of stuff that the people had that went to the conference. And one of them is these resources. All right. Uh, they are really helpful. They're the three resources that are going to help that we are talking about here, the exact things that we're talking about, something that talk about the heart project that we did, how to deal with kids that are healing from um, pain and suffering as far as grief. And if you're listening on the podcast, because I think I'm going to use this recording for that as well, I'm going to leave a link in the show note where you can get this resource. It's the exact resources that can help people get through pain and suffering that I've developed. So now it's time for you guys to 
not forget about this message. Now, I talked about how the mind processes things and only remembers what's important. The truth is we're 43% more likely to remember what we write down, and that jumps up when we review what we wrote down. So hopefully you've wrote some notes, and even if you haven't, it's a good thing to write down what you've learned. You can email me at sharethefocusedmindset.com and on my website, thefocusedmindset.com. You are going to be able to get a hold of me because uh, you can go to the contact page, type it out, whatever you need to do, and tell me about a time when you've helped someone through a hard time. Tell me about the challenge you're going through. Tell me about what you've learned in this very webinar time because that will help you remember. If you want to walk forward remembering, moving into our very next whatever you're going to do, you need to pause and give yourself some time to really process it and say, this is important to me. What was helpful to you? It's time to interrupt your process of forgetting. You can use it with the code if you're watching, or like I said, you can go to www.thefocusedmindset.com and go to the connect page. So those of you that work with the solution-focused practice, you are never alone. I am right there with you. I invite you to be a part of the Focused Mindset community. We're a community of parents and educators that work together to be able to be our best self every day and to help those around us do the same. We learn solution-focused mindset principles that help us be able to navigate all of the challenges that we face. I am so glad that you were able to join me today and until next time, keep in touch and take care.